Hey y'all, it's Alyssa and this is Living Loved. On today's episode, you'll get to hear from my friend Trog. Him and I met just about two years ago down at Bonton Farms. Now he's running his own ministry called Kingdom Focus Coaching, which equips believers in evangelism and discipleship. Trog has poured into me with all of his wisdom over the years, and now I'm excited for y'all to get a chance to hear his wisdom too. Let's go! this going okay so today I have with me my friend Trog and uh, I'll just have you start by introducing yourself to a little bit about where you're from where you are where you are now and your family whatever you want to say <laughs> go for it yeah so my name is Trog Trogman I'm the founder and president of Kingdom Focus Coaching okay. and uh, I'm from a small town in Missouri so small town of like six seven thousand people small it's a very small town I <laughs> uh, grew up on a dirt road believe it or not and um, but graduated high school my dad taught at a small Christian college called Southwest Baptist University okay and I got tuition help to go to another Baptist school so I looked at Baylor I looked at Mary Harden Baylor I think it was Harden Simmons some other ones but I found oh a school uh, called Campbell University in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and visited the campus and fell in love with it. And so graduated high school 18, went to Campbell, uh, ended up getting two degrees, did not plan on that. I was not a great student. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I did my undergrad and then my graduate t- together. So okay. it was a five-year program. Nice. Um, business, basically, it was a state planning undergrad mm-hmm. and then uh, my MBA. Mm-hmm. And so... Finished that at 23, wanted to make a lot of money, and so I thought, I was a Christian, I would trusted Christ when I was five, but to be candid, in a small town, it was kind of like, you know, don't cuss, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do these bad things, yep. you know, when you're going to heaven, and so that was kind of my faith, went to college, kind of lived some college years there, mm-hmm. um, and then came down to Texas for a job, I wanted to make a lot of money, and you know, being a Christian, I thought, well, the more money I make, the more I could give to God, you know, I got to talk to some stuff later there on that <laughs> one, uh, <laughs> to talk about, but so I came down to Texas and, uh, with a job, it was a family member, all that stuff and brought three or four of my best friends with me. And so it was a great season, great time. Uh, but the Lord totally had different plans. So, um, and we can jump into that later, but I, um, I jumped in the business world and was in the business world for a about a decade or so. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of background. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're at Kingdom Focus. Now I'm at Kingdom Focus Coaching. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. And just for people mm-hmm. so they know how we met, mm-hmm. we met, I think, just through Fonton Farms. Yeah. Was it? And the Human Impact. Yep. And the Human Impact. So we have those mm-hmm. connections, which will come up more later sure. and everything. But yeah, that's kind of fun. And then I think that's now like probably a year and a half, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. A year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how long have you been here? I've been in Dallas for about two years. I think okay. I started getting involved in Bonton like January 2020, probably. Okay. Were, you were a barista at Bonton for yes. a little bit. Were mm-hmm. you, was that before or after Human Impact? I can't remember. It was kind of like at the same time. The same like time. I started part time with both gotcha. and then moved into full time with Human there Impact. You yep. Okay. Yeah. I forgot that little nugget. I know. Yeah. I know that I was on the farm all the time. That's right. That's so, right. yeah. Okay. So then you kind of gave a little bit of a background mm-hmm. with your career, but. Yeah. Should I extend yeah. that? Yeah. Continue in that. <laughs> okay. So. Again, came down to Texas. I'm 23 years old. Worked for a company and was in sales. 
So just had a good personality and sales naturally fit. Mm-hmm. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. I mean, I got a couple degrees. I knew I wanted to do business because if you understand business principles, I think you can be successful with anything. Oh, yeah. You know, um, nonprofit, ministry, for-profit, whatever. But I got plugged into a church. I, I had a friend that pastored in Nacogdoches. And he said, you need to go, if you guys live in Dallas area, you need to go to this church called Prestonwood Baptist. Mm-hmm. Well, Prestonwood, we joke about it. We call it Six Flags Over Jesus. <laughs> uh, not making fun of the church, but simply because it's so big. It is. Uh, it's I think, large. Yeah, it's huge. I think there's probably 30,000 members now, something like that. Whoa, I don't think you realize that. Yeah, it's a big church. And, and I joked with my friend. I was like, look, I'm not going to a church three times the size of my hometown or four, you know. <laughs> um, but I went and loved it and met a, a pastor there named Jarrett Stevens. This is Matt Chandler, actually, before he was the pastor of the village. He spoke. He did a Monday night metro service, uh-huh. and kind of like JP did at Watermark. Yeah. And so huh. Matt Chandler did that, and he got to know a few of the guys, Josh Patterson, Michael Bleeker, some of those guys that were at singles at Prestonwood. Yeah. And so it wasn't but a year later that they, oh, that whole group of guys actually planted what we know now as the village. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So I had this year of just, you know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, fire hose. You know, I just was growing. And I remember going to the Monday night service with Matt Chandler and just crying every time. I was like, man, I can't can't come back here and keep crying. (laughs) Um, But it was really in Texas here that the Lord, I I say, reignited or kind of reawakened my love for Christ. Yeah. It, it was like I was it was like I was just born reborn all over again. You know, mm-hmm. I just my eyes were open. And from that moment on, really, I you know, you you talk about, you think about, you spend time with what you love. Yeah. And I fell in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped on leadership there and was still in sales and did all that. But I got involved, my wife and I, I met my wife, uh, we got married and did a ministry called Apartment Life Ministries. Okay. Apartment life is where we were a CARES team where you're basically a, I'll call it suburban missionary, because mm-hmm. uh, I call myself an urban missionary, hey. you know, mm-hmm. Bonton. Uh, and you move into a complex and you do the events and you help the management and you basically create a culture in an apartment complex. Of course, we were doing it for Christ because it's a ministry. Yeah. And so, again, just started doing more and more stuff, started a little ministry called Project 2540 where we raised money to send goats and chickens overseas, dig water wells, and mm-hmm. basically meet needs. God really broke my heart for the poor about yeah. 2007 or 8. Okay. So I, I'm in business, but the Lord just keeps just Give burning my heart for more of the kingdom. <laughs> yeah. And then I taught a Sunday school class at church, all this kind of stuff. And at this point, um, I have two kids. I'm called 31. Uh, my daughter's two. My son, Rock, is new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Truth was not born. And... I was on in sales and I just started thinking, man, you know, I'm selling these widgets, you know, and I'm making phone calls. And I started thinking, what would it be like if I just made 30 phone calls a day and said, Jesus loved you? Or, you know, I didn't know what to do. I just thought, yeah. I want to make my life count for Christ. Yeah. And um, my, my joke about this is that I didn't have the guts to quit my job because it's hard when you have a stay-at-home wife and two kids at the time yeah. to just up and quit what you're doing. But right. I actually was let go from a company. Very humbling experience. Uh, what mm-hmm. do they say? The, the the worst day for your ego is the best day for your soul. Mm-hmm. And um, I that's it. I ended up, I had an aunt and some other friends say, man, I know your passion is for the Lord. Seek his face. Seek the Lord. And don't jump back into business. Yeah. I had worked for a few different companies in sales okay. at that time. And it just really resonated. And I felt like Jonah. I felt like I, it would take 30 minutes to tell you the whole story, but I knew the Lord had said, you know, 
I'm taking you out of business. Wait on me, and I'm going to put you in ministry. Because I'd really prayed, Lord, use my life. I, yeah. I want to be used by the Lord. And so I waited on the Lord. I was only unemployed for two months or less. Okay. I think it was like seven weeks. And discipleship is a passion of mine. We'll talk about uh, evangelism and then helping the poor. Mm-hmm. And I was typing discipleship minister Dallas, and up came a church 20 minutes from my house called Christ Church Plano. I was a 30-year-old Baptist, and it's an Anglican church, and I didn't know any. <laughs> I didn't know how to spell Anglican. Long story there, but the Lord brought me on Sabbath to church. Uh-huh. Was there two and a half years. Loved the church. Great people. Uh, great church. Great pastors. And then my mentor got sick. Mike Fetchner. That's another piece of story I should probably tell you about. Mm-hmm. When I was 24, during the Matt Chandler, Garrett Stevens, Prestonwood thing, I had a mentor named Mike Fetchner that started discipling me, mm-hmm. uh, and three of my other friends. And it really changed my life. Um, there were a lot of things that changed my life. But but having a man of God say, if you want to walk with Jesus, I'll show you how. And meeting with us every Thursday night. And I, he did a 40-day fast every year. I mean, he had started wow. a ministry called Bridge Builders. He was an evangelist. I mean, he just he was everything that I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I looked up to him. Uh, and he was an example for me to follow in Christ. And so he, at that point, so fast forward, that was when I was 24, roughly 18 years later, um, he was sick with cancer, mm-hmm. and he said, hey, we had lunch, and I'm on staff at a church now. I'm in full-time ministry, doing discipleship stuff, small groups, and he said, man, your passions, all three of these passions that you have, uh, which lead into Kingdom Focus Coaching, by the way, but um, mm-hmm. we're doing in Bonton. You need to meet Darren Babcock. Mm-hmm. So I met Darren, and this is in 2013, and he had, he had just built an outdoor aquaponics unit gardening and I saw how you could feed people and use nature and share the gospel and um, anyway I saw what he was doing met him and said man I'll do this of course I love my mentor and so I began unwinding what I was doing at that church and left the church in I think January 2014 fully to go full-time as an urban missionary and raise my own support and help Darren and so I was at Bonton Farms Seven and a half, almost eight years. Yeah. Um, and so that's the trajectory, which um, then after that, we'll, we can get to that question later about Kingdom Focus Coaching. But yeah. um, that's a little bit more of the journey. And, and there's a lot of these stories in that process that God would get so much glory in. Yeah. You know, faith when I didn't have it, he gave me. And courage when I didn't have it, he gave me. And so, um, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a it's a short journey, but a long journey, too. You Absolutely. Know? So. Yeah. I, it's funny because I mean, I've heard, I think bits and pieces of it all, but not all together. So it's kind of cool to see God kind of like tapered you into something you're like, oh, I had this fear of just, do I just quit my job? Yeah. And he just, he kept giving you more and more to be able to get there. Yes. And now even, even more so now. Even more. And there are phrases, I quotes and specifically the scriptures, but they, they speak to me. Sometimes you're reading a whole book in one quote. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of my friends had said, rejection is God's protection. Mm-hmm. And when I think about that, I think about when I was let go of that company. Um, great company, by the way, the owner of the company uh, now donates to my ministry. But, oh, um, <laughs> awesome. It's just a God thing. Yeah. But, you know, in that moment, it, it felt very like, oh, oh, am I not good enough? What I did? You know, you feel like failure, all, you know, that kind of thing. But but it wasn't yeah. all. It was huh. It was often rejection is God's protection in our lives. Mm-hmm. And we see it through fleshly eyes. We don't see it through, see it through the Spirit. And mm-hmm. God was answering prayers yeah. that I'd been praying for a long time. And so if, if I had not, I, I, I really believe this, if I had not been let go from that company, I still would be in business, I think. Mm-hmm. Because 
I would just be trying to make money and do that kind of thing. But, yeah. but the Lord knew that I had a bit of an idol with money in my life that only my best friends could see. Um, mm-hmm. And it took them telling me, uh, <laughs> hey, what it, it, was, it was a 1%, maybe less, you know, but it was real. It was there. Yeah. And so God in His grace just helped me to yeah. realize it and let it go. And the community around you helped you with that. Yeah, huge. That's so Big important. Deal. Wow. Okay, so now you're now you're in kingdom focus mm-hmm. coaching. Mm-hmm. How and when did God put that on your heart? Yeah. So I, I'm thinking through the years. 2008, God really broke my heart for the poor. Evangelism, obviously. I mean, if you're a Christian, you're gonna you're gonna want to share the gospel. Discipleship, I think, can kind of be swept under the rug on accident. You know, when you call everything discipleship, nothing's really discipleship, mm-hmm. which is another piece of my passion. But I uh, I went down to Bonton, and I call myself an urban missionary. But really, my passions have never changed from about that time God started really working on me. And and I did. I will I will say this just very practically. I did a spiritual gifts test. Yeah. Um, you know, I read a lot, but I sought wise counsel. And when I did that spiritual gift test, it kind of helped me summarize my giftings. And it was mm-hmm. these kind of shepherding or pastoring, you know, but evangelism discipleship and helping before. And so that has been a filter for me since 2008, 2010-ish. And that's why when I was talking with Darren, I knew God was moving me mm-hmm. because I actually had about five different ministries that were asking me, hey, would you want to be interested? There was a yeah. church plant, another ministry. But Bonton Farms was the one that hit all three of those for me. Hmm. And so uh, Darren and I, you know, fast and furious, built the farm, the whole thing. But maybe about a year, year and a half ago, kind of during the COVID or right before, I just felt like the Lord was, we were growing. I mean, we went from four people to 40 in a short amount of time. Yeah. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, you know, I'm, I'm an urban missionary. I raised my own support at this point. And I was still, you know, I was growing tomatoes and going to the farmer's market. And I was doing a lot of stuff. You were. <laughs> and, yeah, and I just wanted to hyper-focus mm-hmm. on these three passions. I loved the farm, but the farm was a vehicle to make disciples. I liked growing food, but it was a vehicle to pour into these men that I loved and help them grow in their walk with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it just kind of hit me one day, but it took a long time, too, to go, well, I'm raising my own support. Why can't I trust the Lord? to go under my own umbrella and bless Bonton Farms, but also bless the human impact and yeah. also bless our calling and all these other ones that I love. And at that point I had stepped, well, so Elizabeth and I with the human impact became really good friends. We met actually within the first three months that I started Bonton Farms. No I've got way. a picture of us in an, uh, the aquaponics unit. Oh my gosh. It's so cool when you think about our history. And then Elizabeth and I had done table time with Haley. I mean, our organizations grew together and we cross-pollinated. So mm-hmm. a lot of the people that you guys are bringing to the farm, I'm discipling. Yeah. And then, of course, we're doing it together. And so anyway, it was just this idea of, man, I had so many other leaders mm-hmm. reaching out to me and saying, hey, how did you do this? Can you do this? What is this? I mean, I'm having a pastor from Canada, a priest from New York, mm-hmm. all different denominations, all different leaders, Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Mahia, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, Lord, you're moving, you're doing something. And I just felt like with the experience now that I'd had, I could bless more organizations and more people uh, and duplicate. So one of my life verses is Second Timothy 2.2, 2, when he says, basically, I'm summarizing, but train faithful men that will train faithful men. And so this idea of duplicating. 
Mm-hmm. And so um, that's what was on my heart. Those three passions that God solidified. I would say that to anybody listening too. If you don't know your passions, like your two or three passions, find them. Seek the Lord's wisdom. Seek wise counsel. Read the scriptures. Do his spiritual gift test. Because it will help you as a filter for every other opportunity that comes through. And so that's how I launched Kingdom Focus Coaching. Now I, I go down to Bontons once a week. I'm you know, heavily involved in the human impact. I've probably got 12 or 15 different ministries, one way or another. Yeah, like the um, partnerships there. Exactly, and, and that's a passion of mine. I, I love Ephesians 4, equipping the saints. Mm-hmm. And I think when we as Christians are fully alive and fully focused on Christ, mm-hmm. then we've only got one life to give, not live, but give. And what does it look like when we're fully on fire for Christ? And I just want to be a part of helping everybody maximize their gift and their talent. And, you know, the, the, it's what the Bible says, the, the days are evil. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. Mm-hmm. So That's cool. Yeah. Wow. What about, okay, so just share, you kind of share a little bit of it, but just share the what's the mission and the vision of kingdom focus so uh the tagline is kingdom focus coaching Mm -hmm. um and it's equipping disciples to make disciples that's the tagline i just added and mobilizing the church for kingdom work Mm, i like that so um Really, it's the threefold thing. It's evangelism, sharing our faith, mm-hmm. which uh, there are sometimes even titles of books. I told you I like quotes. There are titles of books that, that give me a nugget that I need. And so yeah. um, gospel fluency is, is what I like to talk about with evangelism. Discipleship, of course, and then helping the poor. And then that, that fourth one is kind of a, encompasses it all, but it, it's this you know, mobilizing the church for kingdom action. It, yeah. It's helping people come, I, I say, come fully alive for Christ. Right. So that's the, that's the tagline. That's, mm-hmm. that's the goal. And it kind of, you know, filters. Some days it's more evangelism, sometimes more discipleship. But I, I read a story about if you preach to a thousand people every day, mm-hmm. uh, I think after 40 years, you would reach whatever, 20 million, or I forget the number. Wow. But if you made three disciples that made three disciples that made three disciples, uh, you could reach 10 billion people in 21 years. Wow. And so, you know, that's... It's multiplication. It's, you know, actually every multi-level marketing business uses that, right? From a business standpoint, I think, well, wait a minute, if we'll do that for money, why won't we do that for Jesus, Mm. you know? Uh, So, That's cool. I like that. Okay, then moving into more of the evangelism part, how have you seen, like, God develop your heart into this? Mm. Because like you said, you you know, you know knew God at five years old, yeah. but who God was to you changed over time. And not because he's changing, right. but because your view of him was becoming refined. Yeah. And so specifically with evangelism, like how has God refined that in your life? Yeah, no, that's really good. I, I'm a gregarious person by nature, but mm-hmm. if we believe the gospel, the unadulterated gospel, that we are sinners and that we need a savior. And that means that it, we're either, <laughs> we either know Jesus or we don't. Yeah. As John three sixteen and 17 yeah. says, you know, we know John three sixteen, but John three seventeen says, but those that don't know the Lord, the wrath of God is still upon them. And the idea that, you know, hell is real mm-hmm. and that I don't want anybody to go there as long as I can have a part in it. You know, God does all of the saving and all of it, but he gives us the message of reconciliation, as mm-hmm. it says in Corinthians. And he tells us to audibly share the word of God and share the gospel, uh, to live it and to say it. Right. And for me, 
I live by the the wrong quote, St. Francis of Assisi. People quote him as saying, he didn't even say it, by the way. But they say, you know, uh, share the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, when I was young in my faith, that's what I did. I just thought I could live it out and people mm -hmm. would see it. Now, there is some truth to that. Yeah. Uh, John 13, 34, Jesus says, you know, love each other as I've loved you and the whole world will know you're my disciples. But that still doesn't negate an audible proclamation of the gospel. Right. And so as... As I grew, I just started realizing, well, wait a minute, if hell is real and heaven is real, you know, that goes into the kingdom focus in Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all else will be added. That's the name behind kingdom focus coaching. And so, which was my mentor's favorite verse. But I just see the need. I mean, you think of COVID or cancer or, or whatever right now, you know, when we got the shot for COVID, Everybody's singing it from the rooftops and, hey, you need to get shot, you need to get shot, you need to get shot. That's It's important, right? Uh, so I'm going to say it's a cure for COVID. I know it's not, but go with me on this. Yeah. Um, but we have the cure for death. Yeah. You know, if somebody had the cure for cancer, what would you do? I mean, who wouldn't you tell? What billboard wouldn't you buy? Mm -hmm. You know, you would, you would do everything and anything you could to get this cure for cancer to the masses. Yeah. Well, we've got the cure for death. We've got, I mean. Yeah. And I think sometimes in the Bible Belt, we can forget it's that important. Like we're talking about eternity and we're not talking about 80 years. We're talking about 80 trillion times a trillion times a trillion. And the reality of eternity, you know, it's an eternal perspective or a kingdom focus or, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing is just, it, it deepens even now. I yeah. mean, hopefully when I'm 50, too, yeah. it'll, you know, it'll deepen. Uh, but there's a reality and a love for other people. I, I think when... You know, we, we love Christ because he first loved us. God mm -hmm. first loved us. He gave us his son. But you can't love Christ and not love people. You can't love Christ and know that hell is real and have the cure. I mean, that would literally be like having the cure for COVID and not telling somebody or having a cure for cancer and not yeah. telling them. Yeah. Now, they may get mad at you for telling them, right? But that's, when I talk about evangelism, I say it's, it's not the message that we change, but the method can change. Mm -hmm. How we share the gospel is important. Communication is, you know, 80% nonverbal, 20% verbal. Right. And so the message will never change. The gospel is the gospel, but the method mm -hmm. uh, we can tweak according to culture and who we're speaking to. Paul did it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so that I'm really big on that. I really believe that when you love something or someone, mm -hmm. you know, most people have dated somebody if you're married. When you were in love, yeah. it, you know, you thought, you talked, you couldn't wait to spend time. Everything was wrapped around. Hey, when do I get off work so I can see them? And this is the love with Jesus. When I, if, if I were to look at somebody's checkbook or calendar or listen to their conversation, I can tell you what they love most. Absolutely. And I want people to fall in love with Jesus because Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we fall in love with Jesus and I have lunch with somebody... I can't help but to talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to fit in the Romans road necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, I might, but I might not. I'm, I'm not going to have to. It, there's only so much football and UFC or golf I can talk about. Yeah. At some point, yeah. <laughs> Christ is going to come up. If they ask me my opinion, my opinion doesn't matter. The Word of God matters. And if I've been in the Word of God, guess what's going to come out? The Scriptures. Yep. So to me, evangelism is as much of a way of life, but an audible, uh, an example and an audible way of life. And that's what I want to share with people is mm -hmm. learn how to do, you know, the way of the master, learn how to do the Roman road, learn how to the three circles video I produced, you yeah. know, it's out there. Yeah. But also just fall in love with Jesus. And when you do, people will ask you why you're so happy. They'll ask you 
why you, you know, any conversation is going to come to Jesus. It right. has to. Right. You actually have to not talk about him <laughs> when you love him so much, you know? And so um, that's my passion for evangelism. I love that. I I think that's cool because I've just personally thought a lot about evangelism. And like you said, there's all these tools which can be very helpful because sometimes when we're like a new believer or we've just never done it before, we've never trained ourselves in that, we're like, how do we start? And right. and how do we organize our thoughts? Like, how, And it's refreshing and renewing because every time we share it we get to re-fall in love with the lord but ultimately it doesn't come down to what are these tools i have it's just if you love god you're gonna it's gonna come out of you (laughs) it's just gonna it's gonna come out so naturally it has to try to plug a spring (laughs) yeah you can't do it no you know no you can't and that's the river of living water living inside of us Mm -hmm. and i think i became more comfortable too with being a pebble in somebody's shoe. Hmm. And and what I mean by that is it takes, statistics will tell you seven times for somebody to hear the gospel for them to trust Christ. Business people know this. I think it was Harley Davidson. I had a friend tell me yesterday, actually. He said, Harley Davidson knows that on the 23rd time that somebody goes into a Harley Davidson shop that on average they'll purchase a motorcycle. Well, I don't have to be all seven times for that person. Yeah. I just need to be one pebble in the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could have been the first. I could have been the fifth. I could have been the seventh. But ultimately, God is doing that work. And so I just, you know, Mother Teresa, again, another quote, mm-hmm. uh, said, God hasn't called us to be successful, just faithful. And and I live by that. I, I think that, you know, I just want to be faithful with dropping a seed. And, you know, I was a farmer. Yep. <laughs> so the garden, you, you plant a thousand seeds, you know, a hundred will sprout. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to plant as many seeds as I possibly can. And, and I think people... I like to dumb things down so simple that we take away all the excuses. So I'll give you an example. If you eat out once a week, right? We pro- I eat out more than that. But, you know, yeah. if you eat out once a week and you found a gospel track that you like and you said thank you to the server and you tipped them well and you gave them a gospel track. If you did that once a week, after one year you would have put down 52 gospel seeds. Hmm. Over 10 years you would have planted 520 gospel seeds. Now, who knows what happens with that? But at the gas pump, if you put one in the little credit card machine for the next person to get behind you, and you do that once a week, there's another 52. So doing two simple things, you can plant 100 gospel seeds a year. And that's just as you go, you know, go into all the world and make disciples. And so those are little things that make a big impact. You have no idea. I actually did this the other day. Um, I was a server in college. That was another one of my job, right? It actually helped me (laughs) so much to plan my time. Whole nother story, but I bought a picture of a server at this Italian restaurant, and I took that picture and I made a gospel track, and it's for servers specifically, wow. and it thanks them. It says, you know, and and it the the main verse in there is that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Mm-hmm. And so I use that in the in the track. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, went to a Mediterranean restaurant in Plano I'd never been to with a friend, and left a track. And the lady's name was Donya. This was just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and. We paid the whole thing, and she came back to the table. And Now, she didn't speak much English, okay? But she came back to the table, and she thanked us huh. for giving her the gospel track. Now, she had come to Christ four months earlier. Wow. And she had said, uh, I'm from Iran. This is very broken English, but she said, I'm from Iran, and most of my friends and family are Muslim. She said, but I came to Christ four months ago, and she said, I just want to thank you for leaving the gospel track. Wow. And so, did she come to Christ? No. But she was encouraged by but it. But she was encouraged by it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I think... It was Mark Cahill wrote a book. He says, one thing you can't do in heaven 
and that's evangelize. Mm-hmm. And he says, you can't lose. If you share the gospel and they trust Christ, you win. If you share the, uh, the gospel and they don't trust Christ, but there's a seed planted because the word of God is living and active. You know, but even if they reject you, it's a win yep. because Jesus says you're blessed if they reject you. And then I would add, fourthly, if they're a believer, you've encouraged them in the faith. So when we share our faith, we literally can't lose. Right. We can only win. Now, if you could only win a lottery ticket, you'd probably buy one every day, right? You know, uh, and then last, <laughs> I had a friend, uh, he's a pastor, Justin Bass, dear friend. We actually had, I had helped him plant a church years ago, but he, he had heard this from a friend and he said, listen, I promise you, you love money. And I was like, what? You know, because at this time I thought I'd let the idol of money go, all this kind You're of like, stuff. Right? I'm like, oh, tell man. Me. <laughs> like, but he said, no, I said, tell me. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, if I paid you $1,000 to share the gospel every day or $1,000 every time you share the gospel, how many times would you share the gospel today? And I think if we ask anybody that, I mean, they would 100. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll spend my whole day. It's been your whole day. You'd spend your whole day sharing the gospel. Uh-huh. And here's the funny part. It's worth way more than $1,000. Yeah. And eternally, it's, I mean, it's priceless. Yeah. You can't put a price on that. And so that challenged me as well. What does life look like? I mean, and, and I love those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. You know, um, another friend asked me the other day, he said, ask people if they got to do a podcast or if they got to do a YouTube story of their life, mm-hmm. would they be happy what that story would be about? And I think most people would say no. Mm-hmm. And so we get to be about this business and wow. share the message, right? Yeah. That's good. Oh, you had some really good nuggets in there. (laughs) (laughs) Some real good ones. Okay, so then, okay, transitioning into discipleship, Mm -hmm. evangelism is necessary for Mm -hmm. discipleship. But what, like, why would you say discipleship is important? You've talked a little bit about Mm -hmm. your experiences with it, but also it's the vision and mission of what you're doing. Talk a little bit more of what that is and even what you think it looks like. And yeah. Mike Breen is the one who quoted, he said, if you call everything discipleship, nothing's discipleship. I grew up Baptist. I love the Baptist church. There's nothing. Don't hear that negative. <laughs> I, okay. But my grandfather's a Baptist pastor, the whole thing. Um, but what I saw was a lot of people come down front, mm-hmm. trust Christ, get a Bible, and then a lot of times fall away. Mm-hmm. Or at best, maybe go to a next step class or go to a Sunday school class. And this might sound harsh, but I call that spiritual orphans Mm. and what i mean by that is i have three kids and when they're born you immediately feed them with milk and we forget to do that in the church we have people that either come down front or trust christ and we give them a steak dinner you know with silverware but they don't have teeth (laughs) they need milk and so we lose i think and now god's bigger than this so just this is a, a practical thought but i think we lose a lot of people or stunt their growth paul when you read the scriptures He says, what is my joy? What is my crown? What is my boasting before the Lord on Judgment Day? Is it not you? He says this to the uh, church in Philippi. He says this to the church in Thessalonica. So not just once, but twice. And so Paul's crown and joy and boasting on the day of the Lord on Judgment Day, because there are two of them, right? And so it's it's in or out, and then it's what did you do with what I gave you? And and, and that, that changes the way you live life. And so when I evangelize, I don't want to leave a spiritual orphan. Even in that track that I wrote, I put my email and my number. I call me. Let's talk about this. Because Christ cares about, well, Christ cares, of course, but Paul cares about Christ being formed in you. Yeah. And so he says, I'll labor. I'll do all these things until Christ is formed in you. Mm -hmm. He he wants to present everybody mature Mm -hmm. in Christ. An immature Christian can make a mockery of the gospel when people are looking. 
from the outside. Mm-hmm. And that's where the words and the actions meet. And so I want people, according to scriptures, fully mature, fully alive in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, scriptures say that, that Jesus died and rose again to produce a people zealous for good work. Now, we don't earn salvation. This is where we get so messed up. It's a free gift, mm-hmm. right? Salvation is absolutely free. But as Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, but discipleship will cost you your life. And the point there is that we're not working to earn salvation, but because we're saved, we're working our salvation out with fear and trembling because we love Jesus mm-hmm. and because we want to see his kingdom advance. And so it's because of salvation that we're zealous for good works. And so to me, discipleship is helping people be trained and equipped. Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert, used the scriptures to fight the devil. Mm-hmm. The devil's twisting scriptures. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is using the scriptures to defeat the enemy. But notice the enemy's using scriptures to try to twist. So the enemy uses our own sword against us. Go back to Genesis. It's the same thing. He says, did God really say? And when we know the scriptures, when we know the real thing, yeah. then we can know the counterfeit. In fact, how do you know a bill, a, a $100 bill is counterfeit? Because you know the real thing. And so to me, discipleship is of utmost importance. Jesus' last words to his disciples. Now, think about this for a second. If you were dying tomorrow mm-hmm. and you got to say something important to the loved ones that you have, mm-hmm. the last one, the last word you could say to those you're leaving behind, what would you say? Don't know, but it would probably be the most important thing. Right. Well, of course, Jesus had already died and rose again, so he was ascending into heaven. But the last thing that he tells his disciples in Matthew 28, is go into all the world and make disciples and teach them to obey. Not just evangelize, but teach them to obey. Then he goes on and says, Lo, I'll be with you to the end of the age. And so if that's the last thing that Jesus says before he sends into heaven, it has to be one of the first most important things that we should do. And so, um, but that took time to read the scriptures. And because of my upbringing of evangelism and, and conversion, it, it made me realize, wait a minute, there's a death to this. I was a believer since I was five years old, but I didn't start becoming a disciple, what I would say, until I was 24. Not that those were lost years because God uses that. But man, I would love to not you know, have 20 years in between salvation to disciple, following Christ. Yeah. And so that's my passion is to say, you know, if you want to, just like Fetch said to me, you want to walk with Jesus, I can show you how. And so I'm producing materials to make it easy to learn, hard to forget, and easy to do for and that's, that's that's the leadership good. style that I try to use. That's good. I like that. Wow. And I've personally gotten to just see how you do that, whether it's in the lives of a lot of men around me, the lives of people at Bonton Farms. I saw that, even my close friends. And even there are like plenty of times I was just at the farm and I'm like, hey, Trog, thinking about this. And you just have taken the time to, okay, let's dig this out. Like, what does the scripture say? And... Um, that's what it's been. It's been just real, honest conversations, and it's not, hey, you got to do this or that or whatever. It's like, hey, let's just dig into this. Let's see what the word has to say. Yeah, there's no formula. No. Right. Um, but if, if there there are nuggets, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I would say, one of the things I learned early on, and I, again, I learned this in sales. This is what's amazing to me. We will learn anything for money, but we don't apply it to the true <laughs> possession of Christ. And so one of the things we learned in sales was, what's the question behind the question? So we would say, if I say it, you'll doubt it. Mm-hmm. But if you say it, it's always true. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So people believe innately what they say. Okay, well, let's use that for Christ. 
So if somebody has a challenge, I want to ask why. You ask why a couple times. Yeah. You're going to get to a deeper understanding. And that's the root cause. And we are always about the health of the root, right? The health of the root produces the fruit. Absolutely. It's that simple. And, and vice versa. Because the enemy wants to uh, sow a lie in the heart. And so sometimes there are behaviors and thought patterns and things in our lives that are negative because we have this root sin or issue. And we want to root that out. And so, again, there's no formula. But I've just really tried my best to learn how to listen to what people are really saying and ask why a few times. And then it allows me to, to bring the word in or mm. to pray um, and get some freedom because I really believe that for every problem we have on this earth, there's a promise in the scripture. And if we can find the real problem, then we can speak the truth of the promises of Christ into those hearts and lives and change and transform. Because we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so that's the kind of my heart behind discipleship and goal. I like that. How do you suggest people yeah. are discipled themselves? No, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, Jesus says, if you seek, you'll find. Mm-hmm. And so even that's a great point, too, because I would say even before making disciples as a new believer, you have to become a disciple. So before you can lead people, you have to learn to follow. And it's the same thing before you can really make a disciple. Now you have Nathaniel, uh, you know, and um, I think it was Philip that told Nathaniel, come and see. Right. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the easiest thing is you can be a brand new believer and lead people to Christ. You can just say, hey, come and see, you know, and so I would say for any new believer that wants to make a disciple, just say, hey, come and see and invite them to what you're doing. Invite mm-hmm. them to the church, invite them to the lunch barbecues and let them learn by osmosis yeah. from the church. So that would be the easiest, most simple is just say, come and see and follow me, you know, and they can go along. Outside of Mike Fetchner, another guy that has discipled me and I've discipled him is my best friend, JT Patton. He's he's now in full time ministry, church planner in Missouri, uh, mm-hmm. Freshwater Church. And then myself, well, what's funny is we were peers. Uh, in college, he was more mature than I was. After college, I, I was a little bit. But at the end of the day, we, we sharpened each other. We literally talked every morning on our commute. didn't matter if it was 20 minutes or 30. Uh, he was in Missouri. I was in Dallas. And we say, hey, what did Jesus do in your life yesterday? That one question. Yeah. One question. And fast forward seven, eight, ten years later, and we're both in full-time ministry. But I would say, uh, one, as a new disciple, as a new follower of Christ, just plug in. Plug into the body of Christ. Plug into the community. Uh, plug in. If you know somebody that's a disciple maker, ask. Say, yeah. who who in this church <laughs> makes disciples? And find that person. Find a mentor. Call it mentorship. Call it whatever word you need to call it to click. But seek them out and you'll find them. On the other side, I would say that we as more mature believers, what I call is the dribble past shoot. Michael Jordan could not, LeBron James, they could not be the goat of basketball if they didn't dribble, pass, and shoot. They're the, the best of the best, but they have to do the basics. And that's for us as disciple makers, and I have a few, but one, you've got to know what evangelism is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm asking questions through my material, and, and it's basically these five things. It's evangelism, the scriptures, it's serving others, prayer, and then discipleship. And in those five sections, I ask, what is it? Why is it important? How do we do it? Why don't we do it? And then there are scriptures and quotes for each. But I would say you need to know the dribble past shoot. You need to teach people how to read the Bible, how to not just memorize but meditate on scriptures. You need to teach people how to pray. Uh, and I know that sounds silly to somebody that's been walking with Jesus for 20 years, but 
prayer is intimidating for people. Oh, absolutely. So, and I use like for the Bible, I, I made a little Bible reading process. It's an acronym, P-R-O-C-E-S-S, um, pray. I use the P-R-A-Y method. I mean, there's all these little things, these little nuggets that make yeah. a big impact. And then serving others, you know, and, and, and again, evangelism, sharing your faith. So if, if you can do those dribble past shoot, if you can teach people what those things mean and why they're important and, and how to do them, uh, it's not rocket science. And that can take a very little time. I think in the two, three months you can teach people and model for them what it means to pray, model for them what it means to serve others, model for them what it means to use a gospel tract or, or, or maybe not share the whole Romans mo- road, but maybe you get Romans 3.23 out. You yeah. know, whatever it is, like you're you're part of it. So those are the two answers, I would say. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. I like the dribble past shoot because they're the, you know, the fundamentals of what keeps us even in track. I think even in my own life, the times... I didn't even have accountability or anything of when I was doing it on my own, trying to trying to read my Bible on my own every day. You just don't, you know, like, and even like how you're saying of having, you know, just your friend that you can call every day and be like, how did you see God yesterday? It's accountability too in that. And there is fruit in that obedience and we're, we're humans. We are small and weak and just, fragile little things and so we need others in it with us so that's cool well and if you think about it too and i'm sure you were there at this point all of us believe it's our you know you you come to christ you're excited you're like where do i start and and you have this big book with two thousand pages or whatever right i mean however many pages the bible 66 books but it seems daunting Mm -hmm. and i think people don't know where to start it's kind of like going to the gym like I don't ever want to go to the gym, but after I'm there, I'm glad I went, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's just get your heartbeat going, and then you'll it. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, if people don't know how to ask good questions for the scriptures, they'll leave and go, I don't get anything, right? But if they're looking for, you know, what promises can I keep, and, and what do I need to repent of? Are there any commands to obey? When they're, they're looking for questions, then your mind answers those questions as you read. You know, people don't know this either, but of 66 books, I think, 10 of them are less than four chapters, you know? And so I think half, I think 30 some odd are less than, I think, I think it might be 10 chapters total actually for half of them. But the point is that, you know, First John, Second John, they're half a page. Haggai's a few, you know, six pages. There are, there are 66 books and you can start somewhere. You know, you can read a whole book of the Bible <laughs> in three minutes. And here's what happened to me is, if there's 66 books, and in five minutes I just read one, and in five more minutes I just read two, well, now there's only you know, 64. 64. <laughs> and so it, it takes the overwhelmingness out of it. But people don't know it. And so they stay away from it because, oh, man, that thing's big. Or how many times uh, I have friends and loved ones that did not like reading the Bible because when they read the Bible, they think of the old King James Version. And they couldn't understand. And these, these friends are 50, 60, 70. But at the end of the day, they stayed away from the Bible because just the language. Well, we have 50 different translations in English now. You know, we've got the NIV and the NLT and the ESV. We've got all, you know, you've got these yeah. versions that are easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the word for word that you can study the Greek on. But just simple things like that is when you ask the question, well, why, why is the Bible daunting to you? Mm-hmm. Then you can answer it. But if you don't ask why it's daunting, You'll never know how to answer. And sometimes it can be as simple as the reading the King James Version. Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's a great version. My gosh, it's led for 400 years. How many people has it led to Christ? But we have them that are more understandable today. 
So that's a good question. I think because I think people in my generation are really, like you said, just like intimidated by the Bible, and it, like you said, it can be a very daunting looking book. And it took me a while. I don't. I think it was just. I think like an atheist friend was like, "Hey, have you read the whole Bible?" And I was like, "No, I haven't." And so I set out. I was like, "I." want to be able to at least say I've laid eyes on every word in this book and I knew I wouldn't understand it all and that's actually the beauty of it and in you know myself I wanting knowledge can be a gift but also it can prohibit me from if I know it's outside of my brain it can it can prohibit me from stepping into something like that and so I was so glad when I set out for my one year Bible reading plan and it took two years. It I still read it, you know? And I did the same thing. Yeah. It took like, me too. <laughs> yep. I was like, well, I mean at this point it's my been a year and I'm over halfway. Let's just keep going. That's right. And you get through it and then you just take it one one step at a time and let the Lord lead you and he is faithful in it. Yes he is. He really yes, is. is. You know, one of the things I teach there's a psalm it says it's Psalm one nineteen eighteen. And it says, open my eyes that I can see the wonderful things in your law. Mm. And so one of the first things I have disciples do is pray that prayer before. Because the Holy Spirit, the the Bible is living and active. right? sharper than any double-edged sword. And so the point is, like, if you ask the Lord to reveal the scriptures to you as you're reading it, he honors that prayer. And the other thing, too, is I think when you start reading the Bible, and even now, we have to read the Bible for transformation, not information. And when you do that, it's less about what you don't understand and more about what you do. You know, the first time I read Revelation, I did the same thing. I was probably I was probably 30 because uh, I remember, I no, I was maybe late 20s. Same thought. I was like, man, I really need to write. If God gave me a love letter and I get to heaven and haven't read it, you know, shame on me. And so uh, I started reading it and, and I remember getting to Revelation. Again, it took me the two years, but, uh, but I did it. Uh, and... Now, I also started in Genesis. I didn't start with the easy-to-read, the, the right. half-page books. But anyway, I thought, man, I, don't, I didn't really want to read Revelation because I was like, man, this is gonna, it's going to confuse me. And i got to tell you, I, I don't remember how many chapters, maybe 21 in Revelation, but the first 7 to 10 are very easy to understand. There's no, I mean, if, if you just did a few verses yeah. <laughs> in quote-unquote the most confusing book, yeah. uh, which, again, it's not, your life will change. And... Anyway, but it's, again, I think it's it's dispelling those fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I wrote my book, A Walk to Wisdom, is because of that very thing. Yeah. My friend in college said, look, I'm going to simplify the Bible for you. He mm-hmm. said, there are 31 days in the given month, right? 30, 31, whatever. And he said, there are 31 Proverbs. Just whatever date it is. If it's the 10th of the month, just read Proverbs chapter 10. If it's the 21st, read Proverbs chapter 21. And I did it. And you know what? Each chapter in Proverbs is about a page and a half. I could do that. I hated to read, but I could do that. And lo and behold, I'm getting wisdom that I don't need a, a doctorate degree in divinity. I don't need a theological degree, a master's degree to read Proverbs 2 right. and, and understand it. And again, it just started to go, oh, and then I started to enjoy it and go, man, God's word, he's so wise. And you just want more. It, you know, It's like the Bible says, it, it's a treasure. It is. It's, this, it's like... Finding hidden treasure in the sea. You know, you just want to dig for it. And so uh, that's what I found. Even what you're saying, too, this is something I, like, was convicted of recently. I Even I've read the whole Bible, but and I came upon a passage where I just, like, for some reason in my heart, it was like, no, 
I don't, I don't want to read this. Like, I'm not looking forward to it. Part of it was, it's outside of my knowledge and just what my brain can comprehend and kind of how you were saying about Revelation. And I actually was watching a sermon with my roommate and they're doing the little intro. And the first thing he says, he's like, we should not be afraid to read the Bible. And her and I just stop, look each other and laugh. Cause like, I confessed that to her like the day before and we're like, okay, yeah, we shouldn't be afraid to. And like you said there, when we ask, God will give us and maybe not all at once. Nope. Because he knows we can't handle that. That's right. But he gives it in the times we need it, and he's faithful in it. He does. And I think it's important. This is where discipleship comes in. I think it's important for every Christian to have that conversation go, hey, I was scared of the Bible too. Because yeah. I think every single Christian at one point in their journey, whether it was at the beginning or later, yeah. will say, yeah, I, I was scared. Yeah. I, I didn't want to get in the Bible. You know, there's a quote that says, sin will either keep you from the scriptures or the scriptures will keep you from sinning. And so there's a couple reasons. Sometimes it's information, like we just don't think we can handle it. Sometimes, man, I don't want to hear what God would say about this. But I, the mentorship, that discipleship of hearing another woman or man of God mm-hmm. that, that others may look up to, yeah. go, hey, I was scared too. That right there is freedom. It's freedom. And it gives people the courage to go, well, if they were scared and they're, you know, whatever, Billy Graham or, you know, yeah. devil, then I can be too. So that's vital. And then go through, you'll grow through it and you can see yes. the hope that, you, there's hope in seeing that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And community. God's word is so amazing and powerful, but it's also meant to be read in community so that so that the enemy can't twist the scriptures. It allows you to go, hey man, I read this. I'm, I'm confused about it. And then the community gets, oh, yeah, here you go. And answer yeah. those questions. Let's dig into it. Well, it's just vitally important. Yeah. Okay, so back to Kingdom Focus Coaching. Yeah. What What's going on now? What's, what what are you working towards? Yeah. Big dreams and like yeah, just where are you now and what's mm-hmm. next? Um, you know, I am being candid with this. Uh, when I stepped out uh, from Bonton Farms to to launch this ministry, uh, it was kind of vague. I mean, it was not that I'm Abraham in any way, but uh, God said, "Hey, leave your homeland and go to a country that I will show you." Mm-hmm. He doesn't show him the country. He's like, "I'm just gonna." You're going to get there. You're right. He, and, and I find that interesting because so many, Jesus didn't show Peter he would walk on water. Of course, I don't think Peter cared about walking on water. We look at that and we're like, Peter walked on water. Man, all he cared about was Jesus. Like, like he didn't care about the wind, the waves, the storm. And he went to Jesus. Now, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, that's you know, I mean. that's what happened. So in many ways, uh, I have felt like, man, I'm not exactly sure. I know these, you know, evangelism and discipleship and helping the poor are key. And then this mobilizing the church is another piece. But... Uh, it's cool because every week, every month, the more I, I'm in this ministry, the more I, I you know, seek first the kingdom, the more God kind of unveils for me. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm putting together the dribble past shoot. I mean, some of the quotes, some of the things I've said to you today are things that I want everybody to know. And so what I'm doing is I'm putting together a curriculum. I, I hate the word curriculum because I don't, it, it's not a book study. It's not anything. It, I'm just trying to put together the most basic, simple things that are foundational for our faith that everybody needs to know and that everybody needs to share. And so it will be very simplified, but it's asking questions. And it's those questions I had mentioned before about what is discipleship, let's say, or prayer or the Bible. Why is it important? Mm -hmm. A lot of times we don't move towards action because we don't know why it's important or we're unaware. You know, why don't we do it as key? Because I may know how to evangelize, let's say, but I may be scared to. I, I may... 
uh, I may be fearful. I may be a people pleaser and not like reject. Like the re why, even if you have the tools and training, you might not know why you're not. So these are the things that I'm answering in yeah. this. Again, I'll call it a curriculum for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm building right now. Um, I actually hope to finish today with my rough draft. Well, there it's we taken go. me two months. Yeah. Um, it's been really difficult to go back over the past 15 years of ministry and emails and quotes and articles and collect it all. And, collect it all. Yeah. and then put it in my own voice. You know what I mean? Because I never dreamed of starting my own ministry. So I didn't have to worry about any copyright. I just I quoted somebody and sent it to in an email. Yeah. And so it's been it's been hard but good. Uh, so I'm producing a, a duplicatable, again, easy to learn, hard to forget, duplicatable curriculum. And then, and I should probably say that too, and then I'll go there. Mike Fetchner, the, my mentor, was an amazing man of God. Now, this guy was such an evangel evangelist that he started what he called chemo church when he was sick with cancer. Because he was leading people to Christ in the like chemo Chem ward wow. in, in the Anderson. And he did a 40-day fast. He had started a ministry. He was a pastor. I mean, he, and I remember getting done with a year-ish of being discipled and going, I can't be him. I can't do what he did. So I myself was passionate about discipleship, but I didn't know how. So I didn't really. And so it was probably six or seven years later that my friend Josh Rolfe, who incidentally had lived with my mentor for a year, uh, he was an intern at Preston Lee, he shared with me basically these five questions. Now they've morphed. I mean, they're different now. I've taken them and make them my own. But he basically taught me this simple framework of discipleship. And so just important to note that a lot of times uh, we can get done with even being discipled and not have the confidence. So uh, that's what I'm putting together is to give people confidence in the dribble past shoot of discipleship. And then, uh, again, I hope that to be finished. I mean, today will be rough draft of next month if it gets you know clean. And then I'm, I'm already pouring into quite a few ministries. I, I did I looked through my list the other day. I have probably 12 to 15 cool. different ministries. Uh, and that includes podcasts like Today and yeah. speaking at a Reformers Conference. There's a couple church plants here in South Dallas. Uh, my friend Rand Randall Bishop, by the way, he's planting in Bonton. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, shout out to him. Trinity Gospel Church is his church. will be in Bonton. Of course, the Human Impact. I've got Freshwater Church is my buddy in mm -hmm. Missouri. They're, they've been around for seven years. I'll go and do discipleship there. Some friends in North Carolina, uh, Good Soil Ministries. He has a lawn mm -hmm. care business that he has as a business, but it's a ministry. So That's about cool. there. Wow. Solely business is another thing. So I've got actually more ministries that reach out to me than I probably have time for. And that's great. But mm -hmm. that's part of mobilizing the church. And then lastly, I would say I have this number in my head, the 300. I think it was Gideon's Army of 300. Mm -hmm. And I'm plugged into Oasis Ministries. And what they do is they do job training, et cetera, people that have been formerly incarcerated. And they they help job training and, and a bunch of different things. But they plug into about 100 different ministries in South Dallas. Well, I get to teach one of the faith classes. And what I want to do is raise up enough people that everyone that graduates, now I know this is a big goal, but everyone that graduates, I want to have a mentor. And so I think if, if we raise up about 300 people in the DFW area and beyond, but that know the dribble pass shoot, mm -hmm. that have a basic curriculum, that feel confident in making a disciple, I think one person can form about three people in a given year well. You know, and it doesn't mean it's at one time, but it might be, you know, one one on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. And so I'm really praying and wanting to raise up 300 people to be disciple makers in the city and to take people that want it, thirsty people uh, that are hungry for Christ and make sure we don't have any spiritual orphans. Wow. Hopefully that'll go to 3,000. I don't know, that's, but 
you know, that's multiplication. Multiplication. And so that's the goal. Uh, some, and whoever's listening to the podcast, like some people are ready right now. They may not need any of my training. I don't, that's great. But a lot of people might. And so for those that are faithful in the word of God, mm-hmm. uh, that meet the qualifications of an elder, that are doctrinally sound. And that's also, side note, what I love about discipleship is, you know, there's a lot of debates on, you know, uh, egalitarianism and complementarian and where do women fit, all this stuff. And I'm like, man, you know what? Women can disciple people. Right? Women can disciple women and men can disciple men. Mm-hmm. And so discipleship is a beautiful thing because it, mm-hmm. it's for everybody. It is. There's no debate mm-hmm. <laughs> in this, you know? And so to raise up men, men and women to be disciple makers in the city mm-hmm. um, and in their city. And so that's my next goal is to really round the troops. And, and I'll tell you my own personal story that I had a, um, I had a lady that came to Christ um, and just on fire for the Lord. And she asked me to mentor her, and, and I would have loved to, but I just felt like, well, I probably should have another woman mentor her, you know, yeah. just trying to be wise, you know, Absolutely. that whole thing. And um, and then it hit me. I was like, well, crud, I don't, I haven't raised up any women to <laughs> make a disciple, you know what I mean, yeah. or, or taught them the basics. And so that was another kind of piece of that puzzle. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that means I need to raise up. When I say 300, I don't mean just 300 men. I mean 300 men. And so maybe it's 300 of each. I don't know. But um, cool. that's my next goal is to say, hey. Um, because there are a lot of people out there that, that need to grow. You know, in the Bible Belt, a lot of people say they know Jesus. But their life does not display Jesus. And so, uh, and we see that a lot. And so, it's important to me. If you don't call yourself a Christian, that's fine. I don't expect you to walk like Jesus walked. But if you call yourself a Christian, if you say, I believe in Jesus, then I'm going to hold you to the standard of Jesus. Yeah. In a loving, gracious way. We're not going to be perfect. But it also means that, you know, as Paul says, like, I, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. You know, Jesus died for us and rose again so that we can live and have an abundant life. And if our language, if our thoughts, if our, you know, the way we treat other people, the, you know, we, we should be the best workers and the best fathers and the best mothers and the best, not, not perfect, but, but we should be striving. We should be the most humble. You know, we should be able to say, I'm sorry. Anyway, so. What would you mm-hmm. say is like your most immediate needs or like how can people support you? Sure. Uh, well, I have some awesome t-shirts um, right now. <laughs> the, the first run uh, is up uh, tomorrow, but uh, you know, obviously money. I, I raise my own support. Mm-hmm. I'm doing great. I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm doing fantastic. The Lord's bless us. Uh, in fact, I think we're good for a year, but, but what I want to do is I want to get my monthlies to where they need to be. Uh, so that the one-time gifts, we can actually do the projects. You know, we bought a lot of cars for people in Bonton when they got their license and did the hard work. Uh, we place people in housing with the human impact. We have needs for clothes and all sorts of stuff. And so what I want to do, I mean, we might even dig a bunch of water wells. I've got a group uh, out of Oklahoma called water4.org. And I shout out to Matt Hangman and his team. But they were digging water wells for $900. Wow. And they were creating a business. And so, you know, funding helps because I have a board, of course, and, and we'll sit down at the end of the year and go, hey, you know, hopefully <laughs> we're, we're ahead with money or whatever or not, and go, um, hey, let's dig a water well. Mm-hmm. You know, let's buy a car for Bobby or let's, you know, get Matt uh, an apartment. Or yeah. I don't know yet, um, yeah. but funding is always going to be a thing. And so to get there would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then prayer. And, and again, if, Whoever's listening, you know, if you want to be a disciple maker, let's talk. 
Yeah. I mean, I want to help encourage you in that and make you the best you can be. And so I need disciple makers. Uh, obviously, need funding. And then prayer. Always need prayer. I have a prayer list. If people want, they can find me at trog at kingdomfocus.life. Um, so kingdomfocus.life is my email. And join my prayer team. And so we have quite a few people when I send out needs and things like that. That can pray for us. Uh, you've seen this. I've seen this in Bonton. You've seen it in Human Impact. How many times has God answered prayers that we never prayed? <laughs> we got busy. <laughs> we we forgot or whatever, and yet God answers. And I think it's sorry. Um, and I I think it's because people are praying for us, even when we forgot to pray that day or forgot yeah. to pray that week or whatever. Uh, absolutely. So um, prayer and and it's easy to say, oh, just pray for us. No, I mean it. That God, prayer changes things and God answers prayer. It's unbelievable. It's unmistakable. But when it happens, it's like a, it's an adrenaline rush for the it is. kingdom of God. It know? is. Oh, that's, so. I like that. Okay. Yeah. So then just to wrap it all up, mm-hmm. what would you want the listeners to hear and know? That's a, it's a great question. It's a big question. Mm-hmm. I, I would want your listeners to fall in love with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I mean that sincerely. I, I don't mean go to church. It's good. You should go to church. I don't mean to like Jesus. I don't mean to do a Bible study. I mean fall in love with Jesus. Yeah. And because everything changes. You know, it, it's like the matrix. If you take the blue pill or the red pill, or, um, you see everything different. The Holy Spirit illuminates your heart and your mind, and the scriptures come alive. And so I would say fall in love with Jesus and even pray the prayer of saying, Lord, I love you, but I don't love you enough. Help me love you more. And so that's really it. It Our ministries, and, and by the way, every member of a church is a minister. Mm-hmm. So when I say minister or ministries, I don't mean the pastor. I mean every member of the body of Christ is a minister. And the, the goal of the church in Ephesians 4 is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so I would say fall in love with Jesus. And where you don't, or you're not in love with the Lord, ask him. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, tell him. <laughs> yeah. he, he knows. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And abundant life is found in that. Mm-hmm. There's some other quotes where we say, you can't take from me what I've already given to Christ. Mm-hmm. But what I haven't given to Christ, <laughs> the enemy always wants to steal. And so when you love Jesus with everything, you give him everything, and you have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome adventure. I mean, it's it's better than football. It's better than the UFC. It's better than any sport you can imagine. You know, what Pastor said, it, Christianity have done right is a full contact sport. You know, and so I agree with that. It's uh, a true statement. It's true. So that's what I would say. Well, thank you so much for your time. You bet. I really appreciate it. Glad to do it.